welcome to another episode of the Sustainable Business Covered podcast. I'm ED Senior Reporter Matt Mace, and today I'm taking you back to the green room, the only place where sustainability professionals can relax and remove some of that corporate armour as we get under the skin of the life, passions and beliefs of business leaders. Following on from insightful green room discussions with BT, Carillion and Landsec, today we're in the world of hotels, just in time for the holiday season. I'm back in London to talk to Intercontinental Hotel Group, which uh, they've handily shortened to IHG, so I don't have to try and say that every time, and uh, specifically the company's Vice President for Global Corporate Responsibility, Kate Gibson. Let's get started with the green room. So Kate, thank you very much for hosting me today. Thanks for having a conversation. Yeah, no, um, I'm, I'm hoping this should be uh, really insightful because, you know, this is a, a, well, this is a company you've been working at now for more than, more than a decade, um, essentially. And you started, I'm right in thinking, in their global strategy team before moving into corporate responsibility, um, that kind of area, uh, in 2011, is that right? Uh, yeah, that's right. So I joined IHG uh, in 2006, so coming up on 12 years. Um, yeah, and I have a strategy background. Uh, before coming into IHG, I did five years as a management consultant doing business strategy uh, across a whole range of different industries in the UK, Europe, and the US, um, and uh, was very, very interested in travel and tourism uh, for a long time and really liked the consumer-facing aspect of it, the B2B aspect of it, the global nature of it. Yeah, and I joined IHG in the global strategy team. Um, and yeah, I've always been very interested in sustainability issues, uh, community issues, the complexity of everything, uh, and looking at a company from the outside in and from the inside out. Uh, so moved across to corporate responsibility uh, in 2011. I did have some quite a lot of contact with the corporate responsibility team as was uh, before that and I actually worked a lot on our CR strategy uh, really linking what we were trying to do from a sustainability standpoint with the core business strategy of the company uh, so I did that for quite a while and it really sparked my interest uh, to get more involved so when the opportunity came up to move across and join the team full-time uh, in 2011 I jumped at it Okay, yeah, and that's, um, I think that was one of the questions I was essentially going to start with. I mean, a, a global strategy team, when you started, how, how much of IHD's global strategy was, was tailored towards that kind of corporate responsibility angle? Was, was it something that you find was overlapping a lot? Or? Um, I think back then, so this is in basically from 2006 to 2011 when I was uh, involved on the strategy and the sustainability side, uh, I think there was growing recognition that... Uh, certain aspects could help the profitability of our business. So, for example, if you think about the different uh, drivers of cost in a hotel, so if you think about uh, energy, for example, it's the number two cost item in a hotel. Obviously, Mm -hmm. it's been trending up. So there was a clear view uh, that IHG and our owners could save money through that. Um, And then if you think about people, um, which is a number one cost driver in a hotel, uh, and actually being able to reach out in the community and find good people, um, you know, perhaps offering an opportunity to someone who might otherwise not get a chance mm-hmm. to get skills and come, come and work in a hotel, which we do through the IHG Academy. I think there was a growing recognition that uh, we could have a bit of a competitive advantage there, but I think it's safe to say that um, the link with the core of the business has been growing over time. So if I think back to the conversations we were having in... 2006, 2007, 
to the kind of conversations we're having now. Mm. Uh, I think we're, you know, the world's in a very different place. I think our company's in a different place as well. There's much more link with the actual core way that we run the business. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's true. I mean, certainly over the last, um, well, over the last three or four years, it's been a, a real acceler- acceleration towards it. And I mean, when you when you first moved into that kind of CSR role, was was that something you envisioned that this was becoming a a key area for for most businesses? And was it something you'd always that that move within the company from global strategy team to CSR was that something you'd always envisioned you'd angled for, or was it was it something that you were perhaps a little bit reluctant to head towards at first? Or um, no, I think it was it was something that I was definitely uh, had my sights on for a long time, and certainly. Uh, you know, when I joined the company, we didn't have a CR function. Um, it started up about a year after I joined. And pretty much from that moment, I uh, was very, very keen to get more involved. Because if you think about strategy, is about thinking about the company in the long term. And how do you make sure that the over the long term, the company is successful, is thriving, is going to be profitable, is going to be... Uh, you know, playing in the right marks, markets and also having a competitive advantage. And I think when you start looking at some of the long-term trends and we're starting to live through the impact of some of those long-term trends now, um, there's such a clear link between making sure the company's successful in the long-term and making sure that it's sustainable. Um, So I could definitely see that back then. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there were some in the company who could also see that. Uh, And and it was a very deliberate um, move, I guess, on my part. I think at the time, some people perhaps were like, oh, that's interesting. You know, we've not seen a move from mm. uh, strategy into CR, uh, perhaps in the company before. Maybe it was more common to move into uh, finance or operations or things like that. But that's something that uh, I've been trying to do for a long time. So uh, so for me, it was really logical. And, and did that move, I suppose, help with the the establishment and introduction of, of that uh, CSR team? I imagine the global strategy team is, is quite high, high level, high ranking, a lot of board members involved. Did that, did that help, I, I suppose, strengthen the case for sustainability at IHG? Um, I think so. I mean, I think I'm a big believer in um, in the power of language and taking what's actually quite a complex thing and trying to translate that into a simple course of action, if you will. So there's all these long-term trends going on. Uh, They're hitting us at different rates, um, but actually the writing is now on the wall and we need to take action. So therefore we need to do A, B, and C and to keep it really simple and to link the way that we describe our strategy. So our strategy as a company is to focus uh, on growing in markets where we, you know, we can make the most money. You know, we're not trying to grow everywhere. We're trying to be quite focused and we're also trying to do things that link up with the way we run our business. So we have a franchise business model. So the vast majority of our hotels uh, aren't owned by IHG. The people who work in them mm-hmm. aren't employed by IHG. Um, so actually understanding our business model and then responding to some of these sustainability trends in a way that makes sense for our business uh, is really important. So I think one of the things that I've certainly seen is the link between being very focused, focus on doing a few things, very focused on where we as a hospitality company can make the biggest difference, um, both in terms of our business and in terms of the environment and the communities around our hotels, uh, and then doing it in a way uh, that's very linked up with our strategy. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's one of the reasons why I was attracted, I think, to CR at IHG, because there's quite a strategic approach to it. Um, and obviously lots of companies over the past little while have moved in that direction. Mm. I think we 
were there perhaps before some others. Um, and that, that's one of the things that kind of got me excited about the potential of moving across. And um, did you did you know you, you had this passion as you moved across? Like, did you ever consider yourself perhaps like a younger age as, as perhaps uh, an environment, uh, uh, perhaps as a environmentalist? Or, or where did this did this just grow during during the job aspect or was this something from like a young age like I'm gonna you know I'm gonna help change the world essentially yeah no that's a great question um no I definitely uh you know my passion for this agenda and in particular environmentalism dates back from my childhood growing up in Toronto and Canada so I started the environmental club at my school and recycling and composting schemes um I was a community prefect I've sort of been uh was involved in uh stuff at the province level so in the province of Ontario where mm. I've come from so you know for example right before the Rio summit in 1992 I'm obviously aging myself now but you know <laughs> before then I was a teenager and uh you know and I was part of a group of um young people from Ontario sort of sending messages of uh, inspiration and kind of agitation for that summit uh from the top of the CN Tower in Toronto so I, yeah, it's something that has been with me for a really long time, even to the point where people who've known me for a very long time, uh, when I was a strategy consultant, some of them were sort of scratching their head going, well, that's kind of funny. I didn't think, you know, you necessarily be doing that. Mm. Uh, when I came across into IHG, people were like, okay, that's interesting. You know, you have an interest in international issues. I, I have a very global perspective. So, okay, I can see that. Uh, but when I moved across into CR for IHG, suddenly people went, ah, okay, that's the job that I thought you would be doing. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of coming back to really my childhood. So it's kind of gone full, um, full circle, essentially. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's what keeps me motivated, um, thinking about the long term. It's why I feel incredibly fortunate to be able to do what I'm doing because it sits with my values as a person. I'm a mum now, I've got two young kids, and, and again, that whole idea about making sure that how I spend my time is actually trying to make a positive contribution um, to the future. Mm. I mean, I think there's lots of people in this space kind of share that mission, I suppose. Uh, it's more than just a job for me. It's more than just, uh, you know, I want to do a good job and, you know, deliver good work. But for me, it's um, much more emotional, much more rooted in my myself. And and that, that kind of... Um... I suppose that that personal like life aspect of it has uh, you know you mentioned um you know you mentioned you've got a family now has has that strengthened that passion and essentially that you want to in, in the grander scheme of things um you want to leave behind a, a world in a better place that, that we found it definitely absolutely yeah. I mean I don't think you know we spend so much time in our professional lives you know at work you know trying to do a good job you know in this business, you know, you're traveling a lot, you're, you know, you're, you're having to be quite quick and responsive, you know, maybe, you know, working in an evening or whatever. Mm. I, I, I think the thing, the thing, the mission that what, what we're trying to do basically as a team uh, is something that kind of keeps me really inspired. And I think when you're trying to drive change within a company, especially a big, global, very complex business, You've got to be patient. You've got to have perseverance. You've got to be resilient. You've got to recognize that, um, you know, sometimes it's two steps forward and, you know, a half or one step back. And you've got to have, I think, a bit of a view of the higher purpose or the long view about what you're doing uh, to keep going. Um, and I think it's really important to, you know, to be personally passionate, uh, you know, about what you're doing. And so this for me is 
you know, because it's such a long-standing interest of mine, such a long-standing passion of mine that that's what keeps me going and keeps me uh, keeps me motivated. So it's really important. And so, is this a job you essentially, well, certain aspects you, you take home with you? I suppose the the broader message of CSR and sustainability is that something you implement in the household? Is it something your family interested in? Like if if you come home from work or you're going out with friends, is that something that they they you know actively you know are interested to hear about? Uh, definitely, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I definitely take it home. Um, you know, I think you know I've got two two daughters, and we spend a lot of time talking about global issues. We mm. spend a lot of time talking about resources, resource constraints. Uh, you know, they had their birthday party recently, and we decided to um, rather than getting presents, which is you know a whole bunch of stuff that you don't need. <laughs> yeah. it's a big you know stress of everybody buying stuff. We said, well, hang on a second. Let's think about um, some charities that we could actually ask people to donate to. Okay. Um, you know, we were out as a family a couple months ago, uh, and we came to uh, a water station that was run by WaterAid, uh, and we were talking about you know water scarcity, and we we're mm-hmm. talking about how actually we're so lucky to have you know water flowing and access to clean water, but you know there's so many people around the world who don't have access to that. We were looking on the map about where you know, where the scarcity is and, and how it impacts girls in particular who have to go and get water. And and uh, and then we decided, let's donate, you know, rather than having people give us presents, let's donate money to WaterAid. Um, so we did that. And uh, it was great because mm. my girls, you know, they're young, seven and nine, but they're like, oh, okay, we're really lucky to be able to go to school and not have to fetch water. Every time we turn on the tap, we're recognizing that we're really lucky to have this, but not everybody else has it. So I'm a big believer in it's your whole life, you know, I'm definitely with my friends, you know, one of the things that I think I'm really proud to have done over the last little while is set up our corporate foundation, mm. the She Foundation, so I definitely uh, wear the t-shirt, wear the jacket, <laughs> walk around, <laughs> people ask me, what's the IHC Foundation if I'm, you know, on holiday or whatever, and I'm like, ooh, let me, let's let's have a chat, let yeah. me tell you about yeah. it. how long have so, you got that thing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is a mm. vocation, it's, it's not just a job, so it definitely has an impact um, in all parts of my life. I could I could not imagine seven seven year old me being able to sit down with my parents and discuss resource efficiency. It was just not a world. I think I was I was used to. I think I was. I think the only thing I well not the only thing I talked to my parents about, but pocket money would definitely be up there and 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 chores. I think were the and had I done my homework. So it's it's amazing that you you've managed to embed such a kind of horizon scanning forward thinking ethos in in your family at such a young age. That's really really impressive. And um, you mentioned the IHG Foundation, and I, I think it's it's certainly good to cover IHG's work for perhaps some of our listeners who aren't quite as as clued clued up. Um, so it's you know you own well you don't own but you you run you oversee more than five thousand hotels across a hundred countries. Um, you know I'm someone who forgets to turn my lights off when I go when I go out. So the fact that you're essentially trying to oversee strategies across 100 countries is, again, um, uh, hard to grasp for me. Um, that's, that's, a huge, that's a huge footprint, that's a huge blanket to, to cover. And I know you said before and that you don't, you know, you're not sort of responsible for all of them, but, but what key skills do you need to, to say, okay, our global target to reduce water or reduce carbon by X amount, it hinges on each and every one of these hotels. How, what kind of skills do you need to be able to, to map out a strategy that, covers 5,000 hotels? Yeah, no, it's, it's a really good question. And it's one of the amazing things about IHG. It's one of the, 
you know, it's one of the reasons why it's never boring. It's, you know, it's highly complex. As you say, we've got, you know, 12 brands, every potential segment you might imagine, mm. um, you know, over 5,200 hotels. Um, but it's also, it's the, I think for us, it's also the business model. It's the fact that the control that we have over those hotels, mm. so you're right, we're, our, the impact we can have in the world is to make all of those hotels better. So to have them be more resource efficient uh, and to make sure as well that they are uh, having a positive impact on their community as well. Because at the end of the day, these things are all interrelated mm. and we want to make sure that our hotels are viewed positively and that they have the potential to be a force for good where they're located. Uh, because unlike some companies where you may have a factory that's in one location, you know, producing materials or products that are sold elsewhere. We have basically have 5,200 quote unquote factories. Mm. And so therefore we have to think about those factories individually. Um, but you're right. We have to, if you're trying to think about driving change like that, especially in a world where you cannot tell the hotel, you must do this. Mm. Um, the skills you need are, um, quite varied. Actually, you have to be able to take something that's pretty complex and turn it into a simple message. You have to recognize that the hotel, so the general manager of a hotel, uh, is running a business uh, and is extremely busy, all you know, looking after guests, doing what you know what he or she is empowered to do. So the message has to be very simple, mm. has to be easy to access. Um, but you also have to uh, have the ability to think about the context about what's going on in that country. Because what you need to do is design tools that work for everywhere. So the things that we do, so our IG Green Engage system is designed for all of our hotels. So every brand, every business model, everywhere. Mm -hmm. It attacks the number two cost item in a hotel, helps to, you know, in particular, optimize energy. It also helps with water, waste, other aspects. Um, but it's also tailored so that the hotel can do the thing that is most relevant for them. So if you're in a water-stressed area, you're going to be focusing on water solutions mm -hmm. as well as energy. If you're in an area, uh, you know, with particular climate challenges, you're going to be doing different things. If your hotel's already done a refurbishment, uh, you know, you may be doing certain things. If the hotel's a bit older, uh, you may be focusing on operational practices. So every hotel is quite different. So it needs to be tailored. Mm. Um, so I think that, that's one thing that's, that's quite important. And it needs to be very simple. I think the other thing that you need, um, as a sustainability professional in general, but I think especially in a franchise business is you need to uh, be a good communicator. You need to be able to um, uh, really understand where the person's coming from and kind of link what you want the hotel to do with their agenda. So if they've got a real profitability challenge, you talk about that. If their staff, for example, maybe need a little bit of a boost and to kind of need to get the excitement back, then you say, okay, well, this is actually great for making your staff in the hotel feel like their job matters, um, you know, and, and to reignite them. Uh, you know, you may have a challenge in your local community. You know, well, okay, actually, this can boost the reputation of your hotel in its local community. Uh, you know, you may have big corporate clients who are looking to book business into the hotel. You say, okay, that's interesting because actually big corporate clients ask very detailed questions about the whole aspect of this agenda. So if you want to be in with a chance of getting that business, which is great, you know, you, know, you, you want that to run your business, uh, then focus on this as well. So you really have to think about where they are and link it in with what they're trying to do. Um, and I think you have to be quite creative, you know, because for some people it's a hard-nosed business decision, you need numbers. For some people it's more uh, emotional, 
So it's about, you know, their staff feeling pride and that type of thing. For some people, it's uh, maybe their legacy. You know, for some owners, you say, well, you know, tell me about your family. Mm. You know, do you have grandchildren? And, you know, are, are they worried about these kind of things? And don't you want to be part of the solution to some of these challenges? And, you know, how would that feel if, uh, you know, you were seen as a real leader in this? Uh, and, you know, what would that do for you type of thing? So you have to be quite creative, I think. Um, and I think that's more and more important going forward because everything is also connected and interrelated mm. um and yeah and i'm, a, I'm a, as i said before i'm a really big believer in language sort of key into the way that the person you're speaking to thinks about this um and not come at them with kind of jargon it's um it's really interesting you mentioned jargon actually we uh, at ed we just launched a a jargon buster on the website which is essentially gives um sustainability professionals a essentially dictionary definitions of, of any kind of terms um that they and it, you know really ranges it ranges from i had to write an, a kind of explanation on materiality uh, matrix which it sounds like you essentially have a materiality matrix for each hotel which yeah. must uh, must take a lot of planning um and it, it goes for, from that to stuff like like um legislation like feed-in tariffs just a general what greenhouse gas emissions are for people that are perhaps starting out in this journey but um i, I I always get this response in sustainability that, that language and communication is key, mm. as you just mentioned, but also that it's perhaps in need of um, refining or tweaking slightly to, to really be able to resonate um, on a personal level, like you mentioned, we, you know, perhaps creating that legacy yeah. uh, for the owner. So I, I suppose my question to you is, is there a piece of jargon, a, a, a word, a phrase that sustainability professionals use a lot that you would think let's just scrap that let's not use that term it's just not effective at all yeah um yeah i've been thinking about that i think there's a lot to be honest because i think sustainability professionals especially those working within companies need to think about themselves first and foremost as uh agents of change for the business Mm. uh and especially as as these issues start to hit and impact the core business and the ability of a business to survive and thrive in the long term, uh, the more that you start using core business terms uh, as opposed to sustainability terms mm. uh, is really important. Um, so, but I mean, th- there's there's a whole long list of jargon, and I definitely, I'm a I, I'm I'm a big fan, I'm, and I'm happy to hear you sort of talking about jargon busting. I think the one term that uh, kind of sticks with me is is this idea around robust data and business cases. Okay. Uh, the reason I go for that is actually because clearly you need to make sure that the data you're gathering is accurate. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes um, we talk a lot about needing to gather data and gathering either, even more data and refining even more data in order to be able to drive change. And I think sometimes it's a bit of a mask for uh, another blocker and another reason why uh, perhaps the business isn't wanting to make change or, or, or someone's head is at. And I think sometimes when it's like, well, let's go and refine the numbers, you need to take a step back and say, well, hang on a second. You know, In other business decisions, and I know this from my strategy career, you never have perfect information. You mm-hmm. just never do. You gather what you need, you figure out what the trend is, and you say, well, based on what we know, the best course of action is this. And I think in sustainability, it's the same thing. You know, if you know that energy costs are going up and you know that, uh, you know, profitability challenges are out there, then in some ways you don't need to have everything to three decimal places to say you really should 
uh, take action to try and address this. Uh, you know, if you know that there's going to be a challenge to recruit people in your market because of what's going on in the labor market, and you know that helping, you know, people in the community, giving them a chance uh, through work experience or whatever, uh, is going to help find people to come into the hotel. You don't need, again, a financial model to to five decimal points to to say that's the right uh, thing to do. Mm. Um, so I think. I'm a, I'm I'm a believer in data, but I think over analysis can lead to a bit of paralysis, and think sometimes it's actually no no let's let's come at this problem from a different angle. Let's use a different set of language. Let's talk about a different set of motivators uh, to try and unblock this. So that's probably the I mean, there are many, but that's yeah. probably uh, you know that's probably one of the pieces of uh, of, of jargon, if you will, sustainability jargon. Mm. That I think we need to think a little bit differently about. So it's more of a case of when you're when you're finding that business case or, or finding that a personal case for someone yeah. to act on it. it. It's the balance between the figures and and the story attached to it, essentially. Yes, yeah. I think that's exactly right. So you know, there's a phrase that we often use around saying, you know, there's don't have data without a story and don't have stories mm. without a data, but without data rather. But uh, but I do think sometimes there's an over reliance on uh, on over over analysis. Um, because the reality is, in, in other business decisions, you know, you're kind of you're going for it. You know, it's what would you have to believe for that mm. to be the right course of action? Okay, do you believe that? Okay, let's do that. Uh, I imagine that that balance is key for actually as well. Because you mentioned, you know, a, a hotel operating a, a water scarce water scarce area, um, they need that data monitored. They need to know the risks there, but to get them to act on it, perhaps, perhaps they like you say, perhaps they do have a different set of motivators. So I, I completely agree there, and I'm interested in how how big the kind of CSR team is in in overseeing the de- delivery of this strategy to all these different pockets across the world. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a it's a good question. So we've got folks that are based in uh, our global headquarters in in Northwest London in Denham. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got folks that are based in Atlanta, which is our biggest uh, it's our biggest region. Right. So we have a big corporate presence there in Atlanta. Um, and then we've also got individuals who are based uh, in our offices in Shanghai. So Greater China is a big growing region mm-hmm. for us. Um, you know, and there's the long-term potential of that market is great. Uh, we've also got individuals based um, in our Singapore office as well. Um, and then, so the team itself, um, I think it's, and this is something that I definitely see going forward, is uh, that I view the role of our team um, as being around looking at the external trends, looking at what's going on internally, figuring out which direction we need to point in, Mm -hmm. uh, and developing the tools needed to drive change in the hotels. But the role of our team is not to work with every individual hotel uh, to drive that change. Because there's no way that the CR team in any company could ever be big enough to man mark or or hold the hands of 5,200 hotels. So for us, it has to be scalable. Mm. So everything we do in our business is all about driving scale. So if you think about adding a new Holiday Inn hotel in a core market or whatever, um, or if you think about uh, adding a new member to the IG Rewards Club, for us, it's all about scale. Uh, and the way our team approaches that as well is all about driving scale. Um, so we have to be quite focused. So we tend to focus on uh, the markets where we have the most hotels. We engage with owner groups that have a lot of hotels. So, you know, if you're an owner group that has 40 hotels, Mm. 30 hotels, uh, and you want someone to go to a meeting uh, to talk about what we might do, well, the impact of that is quite high. It's a slightly different story if you talk about someone that has one hotel. Uh, So we have to be quite 
kind of diligent in terms of how we think about in terms of how we think about the team. Um, but so it's not it's very much not the it's not the scaffolding for the business. We're not doing all the doing. Mm. Uh, so we engage a lot with a whole host of different teams around the business. So we engage a lot with our operations teams, for example, to make sure that they know uh, what the different tools can do for them because they're the ones that are interacting with the hotels. Um, you know, it doesn't make sense for someone from a corporate office in the CR team to suddenly come in sort of from left field and, you know, make a phone call to a hotel. Definitely, yeah. Um, you've got to work through, you got to, this is all about going with the grain of the way the business works. Mm -hmm. So who's the key relationship holder with that hotel or that owner group, right? Let's go and talk to them. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, you know, where, where's the biggest potential? Where's the biggest challenge? Where's the biggest opportunity? Right, let's focus there. It's, it's, it's that trust, I suppose, across the business in, in relaying the message in a way that will deliver results. Yes, mm. I think that's right. But I think it's also one of those things around as you think about an internal team about influencing and driving change, um, I'm a big believer that if the message is relayed by the person who holds the relationship, even if it's not exactly how you would have said it, mm. even if it's 85%, you know, the, the words you would have used, that's better than 100% accuracy from, from kind of a different part of the business, if that makes sense. Because, you know, the, the operations colleagues are talking to the hotels about how to drive the performance of the hotel overall, right? They're talking about how, do you, how are you going to make your guests love your hotel even more? Mm. How are you going to make the loyalty scheme work even harder for you? How are you going to, um, you know, improve the profitability of your hotel or what have you? And this stuff, the sustainability aspect of it, is, is, it's all the same. It's the core business. So it needs to be part of that same conversation about driving the performance of the hotel. It's, it sounds incredibly focused and in, incredibly complex. And you mentioned earlier, obviously, you take your, your passions at, at work home with you. And relate much family. Uh, does this does this focus come home with you when you know when it gets to clock and off time on a, on a Friday? Do you, are you still kind of sending work emails throughout the weekend? What do you do to kind of, and how do, how do weekends look for you? What do you do to unwind? What what are your kind of hobbies that kind of I suppose balance out that focus with a bit of downtime? Yeah, no, it's a good question. Um, so I mean, I'm a working mum, so mm -hmm. inevitably I'm always um, kind of you know juggling the different roles that <laughs> yeah. I play, I suppose. But I am very focused on my family, so. On the weekend, I'm very, very focused on my kids. So mm -hmm. most weekends are spent uh, spending as much time with them as mm -hmm. possible. Um, you know, we like to, uh, we live close to the countryside, so we like to spend a lot of time outdoors. Uh, I like to go biking. I like to go walking. I like to uh, read. I like to, um, you know, spend time with my kids and, uh, and, yeah, and relax. So... I'm quite disciplined about not... I'm very passionate, very committed to my job. Mm. Um, I mean, some of the things that I do uh, do require me to be on um, call, if you will. Right. So one of the things that I run is our disaster relief approach mm -hmm. uh, as a business. So obviously those uh, types of events don't necessarily just happen uh, from Monday to Friday. So if there is a disaster, um, you know, what we do there is we... Uh, this is a business continuity thing, so we're part of the crisis management system. So if there is a disaster that impacts a hotel, if our colleagues are impacted, uh, then sometimes I'm called in um, in terms of taking part in calls or what have you, um, and you do have to respond quickly. Mm. You know, we have the ability to respond to help colleagues in any of our hotels if they're impacted uh, by natural disasters. So we can, uh, we can help them with uh, vital supplies support. We often will help our hotels as well. Uh, and then through the IHG Foundation... 
uh, if there's a disaster that's impacting a community, uh, we can also respond and we work with humanitarian organizations as well. So that's probably the exception to my no weekend work rule, because <laughs> obviously if something's going, um, then I'll take part in that. Um, and, but, but aside from that, I'm quite, I'm quite disciplined. Oh, yeah, let's go. I think uh, that that balance is is quite important. Is that you can't overload yourself with with too much work work and focus. And um, the current strategy, um, I she's working towards uh, in regards to corporate sustainability, was launched in twenty thirteen. I'm right, and it's it's five year target, so it's closing that kind of finish line. So I imagine the amount of focus is slowly ramping up as <clears throat> as next year next year approaches. Um, how how close are you to achieving these targets? And you know when you set them or when IHG set them, did you know your route there? We also get a lot of people that say, we're going to set these targets even though we don't know how to get there yet. Yeah, no, it's a really good question. Um, yeah, and obviously we deliberately, when we set them back in 2012, they run from 2013 to 2017, mm. so they're deliberately longer term. Mm. Um, I think we viewed them as an opportunity to drive a bit of pace, to uh, create a bit of um, a spur for innovation and action. Um, we had a sense uh, against each of them about broadly what we would need to deliver against them, um, but we didn't have at the time detailed year-by-year -year mm. action plans. Yeah, so I think it's safe to say that the relationship that we have with the uh, core business functions is a lot, there's just a lot more touch points, there's a lot more understanding mm -hmm. um, and kind of knowledge about how things actually work than we had back then. So, you know, when we set the ambition to save, um, to reduce our carbon footprint per occupied room by 12% over five years, uh, to have a 12% reduction in water use per occupied room in water stressed areas, mm. um, you know, by 12% over that same time frame, um, we had a sense in terms of the carbon and water reduction targets about what it would take, mm. uh, the system we would use, the broad direction that we would go in. Um, but we, we've learned a lot. We've definitely learned a lot, and I think our approach has gotten a lot more sophisticated. Um, and I think we've also learned um, we've learned a couple of things. We've learned um, the different dynamics across different countries. So obviously certain countries uh, have a more kind of advanced environmental consciousness. It's more kind of in the public domain. Mm. Um, you know, when you talk to an owner and say, you know, really want to think about saving energy, saving carbon... Uh, you know, some people are like, yeah, yeah, of course, I'm, you know, I'm already doing it or what have you. And then mm -hmm. other countries are at different stages. I think that's, that's one thing. I think um, the sophistication around water has definitely grown because obviously water, uh, unlike energy, is a very, and, and carbon is a very local issue. Definitely, yeah. So, you know, we spend a lot of time risk assessing and mapping our state to understand just uh, where we sit in terms of water stress and the different aspects of water stress. Because I think, again, a lot of people will, will understand if you think about scarcity, there's a lot of people you talk to them, yeah, I get that. You know, if I'm in a drought, if it's in the local newspaper, mm -hmm. what have you, if there's a restriction, they get that. But clearly water stress is not just that. So I think understanding that, and there's been a growing, I think, recognition of that issue. And then clearly the link between energy and water is something yeah, definitely. that's been kind of growing understanding of that. Um, so we, we've definitely learned a lot and, um, you know, we're 2017 for us is, a, is heads down very much a year of delivery. Um, you know, we're working very, very closely, particularly in uh, on the carbon and water side with our operations colleagues. And uh, we've also got a, a lot of um, very detailed plans in place, you know, and, and also helping the estate saying, right, uh, if we want to make the biggest impact, then our suggestion is you focus in this area. Mm -hmm. um, so rather than saying, you know, there's 200 solutions you could choose from, kind of go in there and 
choose and, and have a look around, we're being much more sort of targeted, which is working very well. Okay. Uh, and we've been very engaging very closely. And in terms of our other targets, so the Aichi Academy, which is a global program that helps uh, our hotels have a positive impact on their local community through offering work experience. Um, and it's clearly it's something that helps our hotels have a talent pipeline, um, mm. you know, which is a source of competitive advantage for hotels. And it also helps um, local people, you know, with skills, access to jobs, and it's people from all walks of life. Um, I think what's been great there is uh, we set up the global framework. Um, you know, we've had more than 34,000 uh, individuals benefit from the program as oh, of wow. the end of last year. Uh, and we're on track to exceed uh, our target. We initially set a target of 20,000 people to benefit over the five-year period. And we actually achieved that two years early at the end of 2015. So we've doubled the target to 40,000, uh, and we're on track to exceed that. So I think that's been great because we've mm. really seen um, the flexibility of that model uh, has been really helpful because it allows uh, a big intercontinental hotel that maybe has 300 rooms, you know, large number of staff, very complex hiring needs. They really benefit from it. But an 80-room Holiday Inn Express that maybe is outside of a city centre in the United States, uh, you know, smaller footprint, smaller number of, uh, of staff members, uh, but they also have needs. Um, and so I think what's been helpful there is it's quite simple, it's very tied to our industry, mm. and it's a framework that, that's very flexible. Um, so that's a good example of, um, of something where I think the global scale, we've been able to tap into the global scale of that. And um, obviously water was spoken about quite a lot just then and interestingly um, IHG's corporate responsibility manager Michael Savage he was speaking um, on stage at ED Live for us earlier this year and um, one of the things that really resonated with me was his kind of revelation that all directors of finance now have um, I suppose water performances linked to their KPIs which is a, a pretty, I suppose, ingenious way of getting that financial back into to roll out these targeted targeted projects. Um, it's not, I mean, perhaps it is common. Perhaps I, I'm just, perhaps me, that was just me taking the blinkers off, essentially. But um, how can companies engage with their kind of, I suppose, their CFOs like that and get mm. them to to commit to these kind of targets? And I, I suppose it is that relaying that message of importance but i'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that yeah no i think that's a it's, it's a really good um, example and a good learning there and i think um what's been helpful there if you think about saving resources in order to save money and improve the profitability of your business um if you come at it in that order some people are really turned on by that some people get it and mm -hmm. some people uh it's not that they switch off, but it's like it's almost too many steps removed. Uh, and what we've seen really um, work really well in the last little while is saying, okay, as part of plans to improve the profitability of our hotels, let's think about this cost item alongside the other ones you're already looking at, uh, if that makes sense. Mm. So it's save money through saving resources. So it's the exact same action, mm. but it's back to language and it's back to positioning it on the agenda. So our financial controllers in our managed estate uh, in Europe, you know, are obviously trying to make sure that those hotels are fantastic for the guests, but that they're also as profitable as they can be. So as part of plans to do that, um, you know, let's focus on water and let's also focus on energy. And so it's a good example of making it, uh, making it fit with the agenda of people in the company, if that makes sense. And I think what's helpful here, um, so that's where the KPIs are coming from, 
And it's great because it's driving uh, a lot of activity mm. and it's accelerating a lot of, um, it's accelerating a lot of the penny dropping for people, if that makes sense. So it's, I think very much it's around language uh, and it's around making sure that it's on the, it's, it's squarely on the agenda uh, of the other teams in the business. Um, and I think the other example here is, and we talk a lot about avoided costs through IHG Green Engage, you know, and every year we calculate and quote um, a, a very large number in terms of the avoided costs across our state through using IHG Green Engage. Um, but it's also chunking up that number into individual regions or subregions because sometimes a big global number, if you look after finance for uh, Europe or for a sub subregion of Europe, that may be impressive, but it doesn't necessarily land as much with you and your day job. So I think it's also saying, how do you think about the business? How do you slice and dice it? And how do I make it matter to you? And I think the only other example of that um, the project that we're working on is also there's a feel it in the gut bit as well. Yeah. I'm a big believer that um, yes, there's business cases. Yes, uh, you know the writing is on the wall. Yes, you're getting questions from investors and corporate clients and prospective employees and current employees. And yes, the expectations of a business are going up and people hear that. Um, but I think when people get it in their gut is also where they really take action. So I think we're very lucky with many of our leaders who who, who just have a sense that it's the right thing to do. Uh, and I think we're very lucky with some of our finance colleagues um, that we're working with where in addition to the hard-nosed facts, there's a belief that it's the right thing to do. And again, that is that prime example you mentioned earlier of that, that, that balancing that data with the, with the story. Yeah. And um, it's, um, <clears throat> it's fair to say that once 2017 is out of the way, you're focusing on on the future which is essentially at the moment unknown i imagine i actually have an idea of where they want to go with their targets and whatnot but as you mentioned earlier the the landscape the global landscape of sustainability has completely changed as, as climate change has worsened and exasperated it the initiatives and responses that have come in have been hopeful to say the least and um I would actually like to get your thoughts on some of the big changes that have happened since these um, goals have, have been set. So it's it's essentially a kind of uh, a little game. It's like an ink block test, but obviously there is no visuals on a podcast, so ink blocks don't work. So it's just a it's just a word association. I'll say a word or a phrase, and it's essentially the first thing that comes into your mind. Um, so I, I suppose the the big one is always the Paris Agreement. Inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, we've we've done this this little game with um with everyone else that's sat in the room so far, and that's always the the one that comes in, and it's it's again, I think it's a real driver for for sustainability as a whole as well. Um, shelter in a storm, welcoming, and um, just to sidetrack from the game slightly, I, I realise this sounds quite vague for some of the readers, uh, uh, listeners even. So, could you just elaborate quickly on what Shelter in a Storm is? Because it's sure. a really, um, really fascinating initiative. Yeah. So, I issue Shelter in a Storm. We set up back in 2011, and the idea is to leverage the role that a hotel plays in times of disaster, um, as because oftentimes we're we're in the middle of disasters, whether we want to be or not. Um, and our hotels have a long history of opening their doors, helping. Uh, colleagues, helping guests, helping the local community. Uh, so IG Shelter and Storm basically uh, empowered our hotels to reach out and to help all those people impacted by disasters. And it's very much off the back of the success of that. Mm. Uh, we set up the IG Shelter Fund, which was designed to help communities and colleagues impacted by disasters. We did guidance for our hotels so they could be prepared 
for disasters and we work a lot with our uh, risk management team in terms of crisis planning and business continuity planning because this is a, a key part of that. And uh, off the back of the success of that program, we launched the IHG Foundation. So the IHG Foundation is sort of, IHG Shelter in a Storm and our disaster relief approach is sort of now part of, um, part of the IHG Foundation. But I think it gave us confidence that uh, we could bring our whole world, if you will, the world of IHG together um, to really think about how hotels can make a positive impact on their local community. So yeah, no, it's, it's one of the things I, it was I think one of the first things I did when I joined uh, the team in 2011 and I'm really proud of, proud of, of what we were able to do. Brilliant. And um, not to put a down on it, but the, the next word I have is is Brexit. Worrisome. Mm. I, uh, yeah, I think um, I think the response was uh, just one of sheer sheer shock and confusion when we when we covered it. We actually we actually um, had an article in the system ready to go live because all the polls were suggesting that we were going to remain. And when it came out, it was just this this cloud of doubt. And I yeah, I think the consensus is perhaps not enough has been done to at least provide reassurances to, to the green sector as a, as a whole. Mm. And um, I suppose on the topic of um, worrisome trends, um, fake news. Scary. Mm. Really scary. Scary how, it, uh, how you can get in, people can be in an echo chamber and can see something so quickly and just, you know, in a world of overload, believe that it's true and take action off the back of it, you know, before the before the news cycle can complete itself. Definitely, it's like a, it's a, like a more severe version of, of greenwashing, essentially, or yeah. at least greenwashing has an element of truth to it, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, at least it's, you know, in some ways the term, although I don't like the term and I don't like the trend, at least the fact that it's being talked about is helpful because I think before, maybe there wasn't even a recognition that it necessarily was fake. So at least that's a step forward, but it is worrisome. And based on what you said earlier about um, your your kind of children and their their birthdays, um, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on kind of secret Santas around the office and, and the idea of giving presents. Ooh, generally, yeah. ideas. Um, gosh, uh, well, I mean, I think it's I think I think it's a lovely thing to do. I think um, I think we spend so much of our time at work, mm. and there's lots of um, Kind of studies out there that say that if you uh, feel like you have a, a connection with your colleagues that goes beyond just pitching up every day and working alongside them, then you do better work and you know you have a happier life. So, uh, I'm I'm kind of all, all things that sort of knit people together, mm. given how much time we all spend working. Uh, I'm a, I'm a fan of. Okay, brilliant. And the last um, phrase, um, and it's <clears throat> I put it last over really is because it's quite recent, essentially uh, the Modern Slavery Act. Visionary. Yeah, uh, it's it's something that's obviously critical to, to hotels um, in in a way that's perhaps whereas it's less prominent to other businesses uh, that that whole aspect of human rights and, and modern slavery is key to I suppose um, a hotel's not just for, for the right thing to do but it has so much um, I suppose reflection and consequences on that hotel's image, doesn't it? As as a as a whole, so that must really influence. Um, the fact that that act is in force and it's being actively, you know, championed must really help strengthen the case to, to be able to roll out initiatives in the CR department. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And obviously human rights is something that we've been focused on as a company for, for, for a number of years. And, and as you think about ourselves as a global business um, with these, you know, 
locations, you know, mm. in place in communities all over the world. And, and the way we think about our hotels is how do we uh, make sure that we are aware of the potential impacts that our hotels have uh, and, you know, where they have the potential to be negative, we minimize them, be it, you know, resource constraints or what have you, but also how can we make sure that our hotels are being proactive and being positive in their local mm. community as well. Um, so yes, you're right. Things like the Modern Slavery Act, and obviously as a UK PLC, um, you know, headquartered here, I think we, um, you know, we're really supportive of 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 what the legislation is trying to do, which is uh, really encourage focus on it. In turn, encourage focus on it globally, because obviously, you know, in terms of the act, it's not just UK presence; it's it's around the world. And what we've been trying to do for a number of years is um, really understand. Uh, the potential impact on our business. Um, so we've done risk assessments. Uh, we've also spent a lot of time collaborating across our industry because this is something that uh, you know we see there's there's real potential for joint solutions. So we work a lot with um, the International Tourism Partnership in this space. We were part of the Human Trafficking Working Group for a number of years, and and we're part of the joint statement around that. We continue to collaborate a lot with them. Uh, we work with BSR, we work with business in the community, across industries as well, because there's lots of learnings uh, you mm. know, in terms of different countries, in terms of different businesses and how they're responding. And, and we're, we're doing a lot in terms of raising awareness uh, of uh, you know, IG's human rights approach. We have a brand standard associated with human rights that asks all of our hotels to have a human rights policy and to make sure that colleagues are aware of it. And we've developed a whole suite of materials um, for... Uh, all aspects of the hotel. So for the general manager and the heads of department, we have an e-learning that goes into a fair amount of detail about the subject and our policy. And and then we also have materials for frontline colleagues, um, which talks in a more digestible way about, um, you know, be aware, uh, be alert. So here's some signs to watch out for um, and be part of the solution if you think about um, potential human rights issues in the hotel. So we're trying to uh, really raise awareness across our whole estate um, and you know we're working very closely with a whole host of teams internally as well um, but no I think that the Modern Slavery Act and there's other similar pieces of legislation that are sort of popping up uh, in various forms some have been uh, you know approved and some are under discussion but I think this uh, awareness of this is only going to increase um, so I think it's good. And um as that awareness increases, I imagine the role of a sustainability professional, you know, especially when coupled with things like the SDGs, the Paris Agreement, has, has changed. Is there, um, I know you haven't been working directly in sustainability for the last decade, but as part of the global strategy team and CR team, is there a skill that you found was essential back then to, you know, delivering the case of CSR that's perhaps less relevant now because of the, the global changes? Um, good question. I, I think there are things that are more important now than they mm -hmm. used to be. Um, and I think it's very much around, given that these issues are not side issues that are likely to impact a business in, say, 20, 30 years hence, um, given that they're actually having an impact on the core of a business and they're starting to be associated with risk profiles of business, they're starting to be... Uh, features in terms of people making it, you know, do they invest in a business? Do they want to be a shareholder? Do they want to be a corporate client of a business? Do you want to work for a business, etc.? I think um, back then, perhaps really understanding all the aspects of the business and, and the financial drivers and things like that might have been 
less important, mm -hmm. um, but I think it's very, very important now. And I think the other thing that is becoming more important is uh, I think if you're going to work on a sustainability team now, um, we can't have a siloed approach. And you, you know, yes, you need some deep expertise, but you need to have the ability to look across sustainability as a whole. So climate change is impacting uh, disasters, and you know, the increasing incidence of disasters and urbanization means that you know those disasters happen in cities as well as you know rural areas. Um, you know, uh, the ability of a community to use resources well is linked to the kind of jobs that are being created in that community. So if you want to stop deforestation, uh, awareness of the need to you know, stop chopping down trees is very important. Mm. But if people don't have jobs and there's no other alternative, uh, you know, then, then it's kind of, it's not beyond the you know, realm of possibility that people will continue doing something that they you know, realize in the long term of is course, not a good yeah. thing to do. So everything is so linked. So I think sustainability professionals now need to understand the linkages between everything and this idea about taking something that's very complicated and complex. So if you think about the SDGs, if you think about the landscape and what people talk about, you know, people who are sort of experts or going to conferences or whatever, it's full of jargon, it's very complicated. You have to be able to translate that internally in a company to something that is much more simple and much more actionable. Um, and so I think that's a skill that mm. is, uh, it's always been important, but I think it's extremely important now. And you have to be able to be um, able to influence and collaborate with so many different people internally. So the more these issues hit the core business, the more you need to be able to speak, not just with sales or investor relations, but you need to be able to speak to your operations teams. You need to be able to talk to finance, to procurement, to your brand team, to uh, your marketing team, to the people who run your channels, to, you know, it's one of the things that I love about my job is um, the number of different conversations you need to be able to have. But I think you have to be quite nimble and flexible and able to figure out what are they doing, what's their agenda, what are their key priorities, and how does what you want them to do to drive change in the business fit in with what they're trying to do. Um, so I think communications and language and yeah, this ability to use kind of, don't use jargon, use simple analogies, uh, I think is really important. And I think the final thing um, that we're starting to think, see as well is I think the ability to kind of inspire and really get at people in on an emotional level. Mm. So, you know, it's not PowerPoint and Excel sheets and kind of driving home a case with numbers to five decimal points. It's, yes, that's important, but it's making people feel a sense of meaning and... Uh, a higher purpose and kind of getting them to connect on an emotional level. Uh, I think it's really important as well. So it's a very tall order. <laughs> Definitely. Well, well order. hopefully hopefully this podcast is um, is resonating with our listeners on a, on a better level than perhaps PowerPoints and, and Excels uh, would otherwise. And um, I think, okay, that wraps up about all of my questions. Um, it's It's been a really inspiring chat with you. Um, you've clearly got a real kind of grasp on the, the global, not just issues, but how they're all interlinked and how action in one area influences another which I think as you just mentioned is a, is a real key skill to to have and develop um 
And, you know, again, thank you very much for, for hosting me um, today, taking time out of what sounds like an extremely busy schedule. Uh, so I do appreciate that. And um, just before I say goodbye to you, Kate, uh, just a reminder to our listeners that these podcasts are available from iTunes and they can also be listened to via the ED website. Um, just check the site or the newsletters for when the story goes live. Um, so, Kate, thank you very much uh, for your time. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Yes, no, it's been great. Thanks for the conversation. Brilliant. And, uh, well, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed myself uh, too. So this is Matt Mace signing off from the Green Room. Goodbye. Goodbye.